Hi, everyone. Pastor Galen, lead pastor at Shine Hills Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We hope that these podcasts will be a real encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. You can also connect with Shine Hills at shinehills.org. Hope you enjoy the program. We are across the street and around the world. So, Nathan, are you ready for Thanksgiving? I can't wait. I don't know. I'm a turkey fan, but I'm looking forward to the ham. <laughs> I, I am ready for Thanksgiving, and uh, we're. I don't know if we'll be able to have our kids up. We're. Everyone's trying to figure out what I it's going to look like. But uh, what's you know, your favorite food on Thanksgiving? Oh, oh gosh, I. You know, mom has some some favorites that I. You know. Um, she does this green bean thing that's just like phenomenal. My oh, wife yeah. picked up on that. She's kind of carried that on. Of course, I love the turkey, and and it's just pretty traditional. We have a, um, the pies are always pretty phenomenal. Apple pie. My wife actually is amazing at apple pie. Oh yeah. So so she's we have a pretty good feast, and uh, yeah. we eat yeah. way way more than we should, and <laughs> and uh, and have a little devotion too. You know, I, oh, I really good. want. I've been challenging people. I've been doing some some podcasts even today, challenging people to listen. If you're around your home, you're head of your household, you know, read, read something. I've gave everybody right. an idea yeah. to read Colossians uh, chapter three, verse 12 through 14. It's this idea of putting on humility and, and mm-hmm. righteousness and all these things and put on love to the surround. It's like, it's a perfect thing to say around the table and what every, I think what every table in America needs right now is Absolutely. to put on, you know, patience, endurance and humility and meekness and love and right. and forgiveness. Right. It's, it's an amazing passage. Right. Well, okay, so this is the Wednesday before t- tomorrow's Thanksgiving Day, okay? Oh, yeah. So that everyone's going to hear this and preparing for Thanksgiving, and we've got to do a lot. We've got to get these pilgrims across the ocean. Right. They've got to write a, a contract, a compact. Oh, yeah. And then and then they got to have this Thanksgiving meal, and we've got to do this all in 20 minutes, 18 minutes, because we just <laughs> went through two. We'll have to talk fast. <laughs> talk fast. <laughs> okay, so, re- okay, so basically they left... Uh, they left Scrooby, they went across to uh, Newfoundland um, and uh, hung out there for about 10 years. There were right. some reasons, some pressures pushing in, said, man, we've got to go. And so they, they left on the Speedwell and the Mayflower. The Speedwell had some leaking issues, which is not good for an ocean liner, right? And so <laughs> right. they went back and tried to fix it up and sent it again, and it didn't right. go. They came back again, I think, right. unloaded oh, half the people in the cargo. They all packed in on the Mayflower set sail way late in mm-hmm. the in the fall got blown off course now i went pick up the action here it's like what do you know about that crossing because i i heard that they went you know they only covered like two miles an hour because it right. took them like 90 some 66 days 66 days i think, Ex- what it was. I think so yeah and uh, so it was a, a long journey people were sick right um tell us a little bit about the dynamic that you know of there was christians and strangers and how, right. how did that as far as you know, how that looked. Well, I love what you've just pointed out because going to the new world was not their option A. Their option A would have been to stay home. Okay, right. Option B was Holland. Uh, right. Option C, last option was the new world. Good because point. in some ways, this was a death sentence. Right. And so they knew that. So uh, they had purchased the Swiftsure, which, by the way, fascinating, was part of the Spanish Armada, the fleet that defeated the Spanish Armada. At that time, it was known as the Swiftsure, but okay. they had changed the name. But it was it was an old vessel at this now point. Now we talking Speedwell or are we talking the, Mayflower? The Speedwell. Okay, Speedwell so had, was a was a. Is that right? I right. They had it. purchased that one, and then they gotcha. leased the Mayflower. Got it. The Mayflower was a little lar- larger, but right. again, like you pointed out, the Speedwell had some problems it, with their mast a couple yep. of times, and uh, some people do believe that possibly the uh, the the ship 
the, the, the members of the ship's company had possibly uh, caused that to happen. But anyway, oh, so they wow. tried to put as many people onto the Mayflower as possible. They're stacked in. They all actually had to leave a number of people back in England. It's a tragic story. But on the way over, this Mayflower, which was packed to the gills, had about 102 people on there, 51 of which were the, uh, the pilgrims. Yep. And so on the way over, though, they had to, because they had to turn around and take the Swiftsure back, uh, the, the, the Speedwell, um, they were already running well behind. And so they knew they did not want to land at the end of fall, beginning of winter. But because of that circumstance, and secondly, because they had bad winds on the way over, they were aiming at Virginia. Uh, we pointed that out. They were aiming at Virginia, but the winds were so terrible. They thought that they could go over easily. At one point, the, sh- the main beam through the ship actually broke. Now, they describe it as a giant screw, and, and scholars since have been trying to figure out what was this giant screw. It's one of two possibilities. One possibility is that they knew the mechanical advantage of leverage, and it would have allowed them to possibly extract extract things from their agricultural things. But the other thing, too, we do know that they had printed literature in Leiden, Holland. And it's possible that they actually had a printing press, which, by the way, of all the things to take to a new world, the idea of taking a printing press, it shows just how important education was to these people. But they used that giant screw, and they lifted that main beam back up and were able to make it. But they were, of course, hundreds of miles off course. Yeah. Well, there's, there were several times I think they had to put the, the all the sails down, and they just were bobbing along right at the mercy of the storms, and uh, it, it blew them way off course. Well, it was that blowing off course that actually kind of precipitated the, um, they had to land, they landed it in a different place. Right. Now, what I didn't realize is these people knew, there were some people that were the strangers, the sailors. Right. They were really the heathen among them, right? Right. And... Um, it's like there was half half heathen and half Christian on this group, so that's that's an important dynamic to to really understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, one of the sailors, there was a story how he was giving them a hard time because they were singing, and then I guess he got sick and died. And I apparently, so. they they didn't uh, give him a hard time after singing singing after that. Right, I I think I wouldn't either. No, I know. It's <laughs> like maybe these guys got something here. Maybe we'd leave them alone. Right. So, and you know, sailors are probably pretty superstitious and that kind of thing probably spoke pretty loudly to him. I would say. Well, anyway, so they get over here and, um, and they realize they knew they were in the, that northern banks area because mm-hmm. people come over and fished. They knew that area. Right. And they knew they were in that Cape Cod, right. that northern area. There'd been some, they, you know, years before people had landed there before. So this is, uh, that was interesting to me to know that there was fishing vessels that had made this trek and sp- possibly even some of these sailors because they knew. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is where we're at. We're not in Virginia. We're at this Cape Cod. Right, right. Nor- n- outer Banks or Northern Banks. Right, um, right. Uh, type, type of area, and they knew where that fishing area was. So that's kind of where they landed. Now, because they landed there, that caused them some struggle on on their jurisdiction from the king. They had, a, they had an ordinance from the king that said you could settle in Virginia. They didn't have a contract or any kind of legal documents for landing Elsewhere, is that correct? Exactly. So as a result of that, what happens next? Well, so they knew that they were in Cape Cod. They even mentioned that in, in the Mayflower that's, that's Compact. That's true, that's right. And they even mentioned that they were aiming for Virginia. But interestingly, they tried to go to Virginia several times. And every time they would try to go south, yep. God would use wind to blow them back north. Yep. And after a little while, it was just resigning them to God's will. Okay, this is going to be tough to be the, at this northern latitude. 
And yet we're going to have to stop here and figure out what to do. Part of the reason for that was all of their food stores had rotted away. They had no food left. They were in danger. They also knew that, of course, it's harder to hunt um, in wintertime. Sure. So, so when we hunt in winter in, in, modern, in the modern world, that's just because it's the right time to do it. But for them, they knew that you're going to have to spend as many calories trying to get calories right. as you might actually uh, uh, be able to kill and, and eat. Right, and you're not landing there in the spring where you can plant a crop. You're right. This is a this is a tough time to to land right in a northern northern area. Right. And uh, not only that, so then they land at Cape Cod, and they're very familiar with the, f- the with the waters around Cape Cod, okay. but they don't know the land so well. So now we're also trying to figure out where to hunt in an unknown land. Right. And so there were a lot of disadvantages um, that they were facing when they first got here. Now, before they get off this boat, though, they now I think there's a few groups that went off. If I remember the story that I understood, there's a few that kind of canoed to the shore and they kind of looked around and I think they, they found some evidences of Indian, you know, some Native Americans that were there and then um, maybe gathered some berries and some, th- some things, some food. Right. And then um, I think they also actually landed on the kind of the Plymouth area or, mm-hmm. th- or they either got close enough to see that there were settlements that had been built and then everyone had, had vanished, right? Because of the plague or something. They realized right. there was a settlement here and people died. That's exactly right. What's so intriguing so is not not really encouraging, not not a no. welcome, to, not welcome home. Well, y- you're right. Although you can still see the providence of God in this. So, okay. so the story actually begins well before this time. So there was an Indian that had been um, part of a fishing fleet. We assume, okay, and he had been captured and put on a ship, and somehow he wind up wound up on an English ship, and wound up speaking English. Now, think about the odds of this, of all the things. So he learns how to speak English. Eventually, he's able, he is set free back on his home soil. When he returns home, there's no one there. Okay. Everyone has died. And here's this guy all alone, wondering, God, what are you going to do with my life? And shortly after, he walks out to, toward the beach, and he sees a ship off. And there's a bunch of people that speak English that have no clue what to do with their life. And God, in his sovereignty, allowed the one man on the continent that could have helped them to help the very people on that ship. That's amazing. Yeah. So the story of Squanto and uh, I think it's uh, Somerset, those two guys, that story is unbelievable. Uh, Unless you're a Christian. Yeah. And then you realize God ordains certain things, even through tragedy. Right. And and did he come to he come to faith in Christ when he was over in England? Is that correct? I don't I, know that for sure, but I've heard. I think so. So that's kind of the story right. that's kind of kicked around. So the way I remember this, hearing the story too, is he he kind of after this is after they got their building built, he comes walking in and he's mm-hmm. this naked Indian, you right. know, he probably has a loincloth on. He comes over, and so what was the word that he said? The first thing he said to them, do you remember? I don't recall. Okay, so this is what the book that I read. Okay, he said it was something along the lines of. Uh, do you have any beer? Because <laughs> he had, he had obviously he'd been over in England and he'd had their ale or whatever. Right, right. And he'd, he'd ask them for, and, uh, and they were just in their language. They're going, Oh my gosh, this naked Indian is right. speaking in our <laughs> language. Could you imagine though, how, how crazy that would have been? If you, if you were a statistician and you had to calculate the chance. odds, no, not right. Chance, I mean, so, so not, I mean, here's what we have to contemplate. They have just done, a moonshot, 
All right, so so 1492 would have been the first moonshot, if you will. Yeah, okay. But this was Apollo 13. Okay. All right, it was a moonshot that had gone awry. Yeah, right. And then they land in this place far away from anyone they knew, and the one guy in the area that 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 they needed, God had provided. It's unbelievable, yeah. the providence <laughs> yeah. of God. So right. we saw that providence, uh, really, in every step of their journey, and they knew that. That's right. one of the things that, that they just kept going back to, this providence. It's such a big part of... Of knowing right. that God wanted them there because they, they wouldn't be alive otherwise. Right. Okay, so they're out there bobbing around in the harbor. Yeah, right. And before they come on board, the way that I understand it is Bradford was one of the main guys from the church and from the pilgrim side, and he, he knew that they had to have some kind of a document. They had church documents that they knew how to draft up. Mm-hmm. They had a document from the king if they would have landed in the right area. They had a document that they could live by and, you know, so they could make money and send back to the king. But now they're in a, some land that they had not planned on being. Right. And so they needed a document, and so they, they came up with this this Mayflower Compact. Right. right? And I, I just want to start the, start this off and, I, and then take it from here. But it says, the Mayflower Compact opens with, in the name of God, amen, we whose names are underwritten. And then, un, un, unquote. And this is what David Barton says. And they all talked about the king. And then they talked about the king. So in terms of authority, they defined their rights as coming from God mm-hmm. to the people and then delegated government authorities such as the king. And so that's a different, that's a twist. I mean, that right. adjustment right there, because they had blown off course, because they had to make a new doc- document based on a covenant, they started with God. Right, exactly. And then they said, okay, after the God, that goes to the people these names that are underwritten, then it later in the document it talks about uh, the king. And so that's, right. a, that's, a, that's a shift, in uh, a major shift in a major document. And, and, and I was told that this Mayflower Compact has a lot of the underpinning for our Constitution. It does, yeah. truly. Well, here's the circumstance in which that Mayflower Compact was written. The king at that time was King James. Now, King James was no friend of religious freedom. As a matter of fact, he's the one that made the Geneva Bible a treasonous Bible to own. And then he actually had some scholars uh, compile, uh, uh, translate a new Bible, which is a, it's a beautiful document. I'm not knocking it at all, the King James Bible. But still, the purpose behind it is because anything other than that was considered treasonous. Secondly, he also is the one that wrote in Greek. He was a very learned man, but he wrote a document known as the Divine Right of Kings. And so he was teaching that the king is answerable to God alone and that you have no actual uh, opportunity to come boldly before God's throne of grace. Obviously, the pilgrims didn't buy that. They didn't buy that at all, right? And and you see it right in the document. They had separate elections for church leaders and for state leaders. They wanted to protect the rights of conscience for others at the very beginning right. of, of their colony. And so this was the first document that this is the key part of the whole Mayflower Compact, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is this the first document that tried to take a Christian and, and, and a civil uh, society mm-hmm. and, and put them together under one, what they call body politic. In mm-hmm. other words, one uh, governance and, um, and that... They started with the, with God and then the people and then King and but all of them are going to subject to one another under basically however they as a as a 
democracy, I guess. Did they sort vote? Of, right, it, yeah. So they, so they did. They, they voted, and I think they voted every year. Yeah. And they, so right, for a governor, because right. I remember reading, reading that one, the first year there was a, a Christian guy and from the Pilgrims, and another year was from the mm-hmm. um, Miles Standish or you know, one of the, the guys that were not from the Christians. Right, right. Point of view. Is that the right guy? I Remember? don't know if he, I forget. I think he might be Jamestown, but, but oh, still. Oh, the wrong guy. But, but okay, here, so, yeah. But there is, there was one guy that was famous. I wish I could think of his name. Uh, William Bradford and Brewster. So Brewster and Bradford were in the same, and I forget who's who. But they were the Christians, pilgrims. Is that right? Right. I, well, I'm. Because there was one guy that was. That a guy that I remember the name. I'm sorry, I wish you know I wish what? I thought of it. Let me look up this Mayflower Compact because I looked at that. They signed this, and and uh, the names are are uh, the undersigned there. Okay. William Brewster, uh, William Bradford, uh, and then Miles. Yeah, Captain Miles Standish. Yeah, You're see, right, spot okay. on. So so Miles Standish was. I mean, he was a tough guy, mm-hmm. and not necessarily a Christian guy, but a tough guy. And he was. He might have been the first governor. It was he or Bradford, one of the two, and then. But they both, they kind of went back and forth. And whoever was the leader, you know, that was like, that was, they were going to submit to that. Mm-hmm. They had agreed ahead of time before they got off that boat. Mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing. It is. It's an amazing agreement that they did this under the, the, the sovereignty, under the providence of God. Before they even stepped off. Before I love how you just brought that out. Yeah. Because it, part of what they were aiming for, and, and there was one historian that said that there are 30 verses that they had highlighted that uh, that talk about the rights of conscience, okay, and that's in the New Testament. And if you think that there are thirty verses, by the way, that kind of talk about this subject, that means it's one of the top topics in the New Testament. Yeah, for sure. And so it's an important thing, and they recognized its importance. They had uh, had to work hard to escape from Scrooby England to Leiden, Holland, and so on, just to get there. And so they were going to make sure before they even stepped off the boat that they were going to have this written down. It's a, it's really an unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm going to read my f- kind of one of my favorite parts of the the document, and then the, the Mayflower Compact, and then you can you know take it wherever you like to sure. from here. It says this: having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our King and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. So they mm-hmm. they still thought they were the northern parts of Virginia, like way north. But right. anyway. But this whole idea, having undertaken for the glory of God, I just, you know, January series, we're going to talk about the glory, you know, glory of God and how to, I just, uh, it's like we do everything for God's glory. It's not about them. And uh, they, they picked up on that. I'm going to hush up and let you go. No, Anything I'm else you have here you want to? Sure, let me just. Because we got to get to the food, man. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, what I love you just pointed out, that, that God, God's glory is what so drove these people. Yeah. And you can determine a person's Christian life by how big their God is and how big they are. Mm-hmm. If God is big and a man is small, then they're going to have a successful Christian life. Mm. But if if God is small and man is big, they're going to actually suffer through their Christian life. Right. It's not until you learn that Make lesson. Make a lot of mistakes, too. Right. Yeah, sure. Well, here's the thing about this Mayflower Compact. If you were to go to the rotunda in the Capitol right now, okay. there is a painting there. We're talking the United States. In the United States Capitol. This is how important the, the people of this country felt. This was about 150 years ago when this is painted. It's 14 feet high, this painting. 14 okay. feet high and 20 feet wide. Wow. And it's a painting of the pilgrims gathered around with, um, and they've just finished uh, signing the Mayflower Compact. 
Okay. Oh, wide open is a Geneva Bible. We've yep. talked about yep, that. Right. And and it's like at every step, at every step, people are to remember the sacrifice of those others. It, part of that sacrifice. So let's, let's just point out what they had to go through. These people shortly after, after they stepped off the boat had a harsh winter. Yep. Uh, 51 of them died. Wow. There's a statue right now uh, just in Plymouth Colony or in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and it's simply entitled on the front, The Pilgrim Mother. And if you were to go around to the back of that statue, you would see uh, this statement. It says they brought their families with a sturdy vir- virtue and a living faith in God without which nations perish. Wow. What they were aiming for, what they were aiming for with that Mayflower Compact and with the sacrifice of their lives, you have to remember there were 18 young mothers, 14 of them perished, most through starvation, so wow. they could make sure that their children survived. Wow. And when you think about the sacrifice they went to, generation after generation of American citizen has remembered that with love and honor and respect. Amen. And we have to make sure on, on Thanksgiving, that is not about football and turkey. Right. That is about honoring what is right and proper to honor in our American history. Wow. That is absolutely... Yeah. That is staggering to think that much loss. And and here's another thing I think staggering. Mm-hmm. Mayflower, the the captain of the Mayflower did not leave the harbor because he said, I'm I'm ready to take you guys back. Mm-hmm. This is there's too much suffering. Right. He stayed on board and he stayed in the harbor and uh, with the sailors, I'd assume. And and yeah. uh, they were ready to take people back and they said no. And they were losing people. They were dying. Right. Of starvation and everything else, like you just said. And when they were saying, Nope, we're here because God's providence right and it and it gave him the strength these these people were special well william bradford we talk about him and and how he actually wrote this mayflower compact how he was so respected mm. well he was actually off the boat at one point trying to explore the land and trying to hunt for game and when he returned back to the mayflower he found that his wife dorothy had actually died while he was gone can you imagine no. still keeping your faith in God and your trust that God has through his providence led you to where you are and suffering the loss of your wife and in looking at the death of the people you love? Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. It's as hard as it gets. Well, that's uh, not not a glorified. <laughs> I mean, not it's not glamorous. No, it, it's very it's glorifying to the to God and to the. Right. You know, honoring to the people that had the courage to to carve out right. something new here in in this new world, and and really what their motive and their desire was to just to honor God. And We're standing here behind these microphones, sitting here behind these microphones right now, right. because of their sacrifice, yeah. and so they were willing to do the hard thing, yeah. so that you and I could live in peace and talk about them right now. And and you know some of the other story because there's a, I can just hear the voices. Is it mm-hmm. yeah? But you know the. The, the Americans, they did this and they killed all the Indians. And I mean, all that unfolds and it makes it such a harsh, harsh reality of, but there was two storylines that went on. There mm-hmm. were some that drew outside the lines and, and used force. There was a whole bunch of these. And these guys from the very beginning, right. they wanted peace and right. they wanted cooperation and they strove for, there were some on that same, that same group that they won conquering, you and, know, and there's two storylines that go mm-hmm. on, and that's important to understand because it those two storylines continue mm-hmm. all the way across the frontier and even today, in my that's opinion. That's right. Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because in Jamestown, you're right. There was a lot of strife and turmoil, but the longest lasting peace treaty between uh, uh, um, um, Europeans and between Indian tribes was founded with the Plymouth Colony. Is that right? Yeah, and I so don't. So they had it. the longest. So uh, Chief Massasoit. 
uh, uh, started this treaty with them, and it actually lasted for a very long time. Yeah. And so it actually is counter uh, narrative of, of people that would try to destroy American history. But you have to recognize that the difference between Jamestown and Plymouth is vast. And uh, uh, the Plymouth Colony, they had tremendous relationships with their neighbors. And they never took a piece of land without first paying for it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. They have their, it was at their cost that they would buy that land. Yeah. Right. Well, so that's a, that's a whole bunch of, we didn't get to the Thanksgiving turkey, but there was no turkey the first year. In fact, I think they, they actually tried this more of a socialistic kind of, uh, we might need to talk about that sometime. When they landed there, it's like all for one, one for all kind of thing, and it didn't go so well. They needed to kind of re- rethink that that process and then they started surviving i think that next year but well the fun thing about our conversations is boy we cover a lot of ground we covered a lot of ground (laughs) we'll we'll be we'll be back next time well so anyway um i hope that everybody will have a fantastic thanksgiving i hope that you can gather around your tables and think about what's what really matters and uh if you need a verse colossians 3 12 through 14 great place to start god bless you all and happy thanksgiving